Hey friend, are you struggling to find consistent paid speaking gigs? Do you want to know the exact six steps that you can take to find and book more paid speaking opportunities in 2024? Well, we want to make that easy for you. We've created a new free resource with the help of Dan Irvin, one of our highly successful speakers on our team. Dan has booked over $100,000 in paid speaking gigs in the last few years, and his six-step process is going to help you maximize your chances of getting booked and paid to speak in any industry. You're going to learn how to get started prospecting, master discovery calls, and proposal emails and so much more. All you got to do is go to thespeakerlab.com slash steps and we're going to send you this 18-page guide straight to your inbox. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash steps and you're going to get that free guide. Hey, thanks for listening. You're awesome. Hey, what's up, friends? Grant Baldwin here. So good to have you here with us today for another awesome episode of the Speaker Lab podcast. It's going to be a good one today. My guest is Katrina Davis, who uh, she works as an event planner. She brings in 25 to 30 new speakers every single year. So she really has some experience in this space. Cover a bunch of good stuff in this conversation, including the typical fees that she pays for speakers, how referrals and word of mouth work in her industry, and why finding the right speaker has become more important than ever since the pandemic hit. Also, make sure you stick around to the end because Katrina is going to walk me through everything she likes to see on a speaker website. You are literally going to be able to use her commentary as a checklist to see how your website stacks up. So you don't want to miss that. Always fascinating to get inside the mind of an event planner. So you're definitely going to want to take notes on this one. Here, my friends, is my conversation with Katrina Davis. Enjoy. Hey, what's up, friends? Grant Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. Today, we are joined by Katrina Davis, who is an event planner and uh, uh, education director for the Iowa Association of Electric Co-ops. And so uh, she's in the association space, obviously works with a bunch of different uh, speakers. Uh, as we have certainly seen in the speaking industry, it's been a weird year with COVID and how uh, they pivoted to virtual. So we've got a lot to cover, a lot to go over and talk about. So uh, Katrina, we appreciate you being here today. Uh, of course, my pleasure. So first of all, why don't you give us kind of a, a snapshot of what your role is uh, as an event planner, as director of, of education and training? Uh, how often are you working with speakers? Just kind of paint a picture for your role. Great. Yeah, of course. So um, I've been a director of education for about six years here at our association. We're a not-for-profit association, um, about 47 rural, rural electric cooperative members. So um, our member cooperative is make up about 2,000 employees. So I'm, and that includes board of directors, um, CEOs, HR, accounting, um, operations. And so my role is to help them with education and training needs um, throughout the year. So typically do about 50 events a year um, in person, typically yeah. um, this year, it's been a little different, but um, yeah, that's kind of what I do and kind of try to provide some education and training since they are, um, you know, their education and training budget's a little small. So we kind of do a a group, I guess, uh, training uh, model model is kind of how it works. So um, they purchase education and training through us, through our association, and then we can hire, you know, speakers and, and host conferences and trainings for them as a whole. So if you're responsible for about 50 events on an annual basis, I'm assuming that that's going to vary significantly in scope and size and the number of speakers that you're bringing in. So can you give us some type of, of uh, idea on the different ends of the spectrum there? Sure. Um, so I, about 50 events and about, I would say our average um, is probably uh, 75 um, that would attend. A lot of our conferences, 
um, maybe in the 50 to 125 people. Mm -hmm. um, and those are usually day and a half conferences. And then we have some small um, trainings, you know, leadership type trainings, workplace trainings. Um, those might be 15, 20 um, people. And then we have our large events. We do some legislative events and we do our annual meeting, which is our largest event, which is about 450 of our cooperative members that attend that. And so of 50 events an, on an annual basis, how often are you looking for uh, outside paid speakers versus how often are you looking for just kind of internal people sure. or something that, that's free or volunteer? What, what's the breakdown there? Um, typically for speakers, we try to you know, mix it up. Um, when I came on board, we weren't doing a lot of outside speakers. And my push was to get more outside speakers because a lot of our employees are in rural areas. They don't get to go to... Um, huge um, national training. So if I can bring them, um, I, you know, I luckily have a budget that I can work with. Um, so I would say on an average without within a year, I bet I bring, oh, 25 to probably 25 to 30 outside speakers in yeah. for various different topics. So um, like I said, we do the conferences in the spring, summer and fall. Um, and those spring and fall conferences usually have two to three outside speakers at each one. And then we have our annual conference, which always has, you know, four or five, you know, speakers um, as well. Um, try to mix it up. You know, we usually do, you know, some, some motivational leadership type things. Um, some communication is a big focus. Um, you know, right now, succession planning, um, our industry is a little bit different. So change is a big thing right now. Um, so it's just a variety of different topics and, and speaker needs. So it just kind of depends on kind of what's going on in the industry. Yeah. But since we have so many new employees coming into the co-op world, um, we need that um, outside speaker outlook. You know, we can't just fill it up with updates and industry things. After a while, a, a day and a half conference of, of that legal stuff can get a little bit um, um, intimidating and boring. And how do they bring it all together? So right. try to find speakers that can help do that. Gotcha. So, uh, and again, I'm assuming if you're bringing in 20 to 30 speakers over the course of a year that again, what you're looking for from them, some of them may, may be a full day or, or multiple day training. Some of them may be, you know, like a, a half day or a couple hour workshop. Some maybe a, you know, a 30 or 45 minute, uh, keynote and some type of, like you said, motivational shot in the arm. Uh, was that fair? Is there, is there any type of speaker that you're looking for more so than another? Nope. That's exactly fair. I mean, for the conferences, um, you know, usually it's a, you know, an hour to 90 minute keynote, mm -hmm. um, usually at the end of the conference, just to kind of get them going. Um, or maybe if there's a, if, a, if it's a topical like workplace soft, soft skill that they need, we might, you know, do have, and I've done this quite often where I'll bring um, a speaker in to speak at a conference for a keynote and then ask them to come back and do a more in-depth, you know, day training or half day training, if it works out. Um, I've had several speakers um, because a lot of the co-ops are in rural areas where I've worked with them um, independently to come and do a, a keynote and then asked if they, you know, while they're already traveling here in Iowa, hey, would you mind um, going and doing a specific training for a certain co-op? And yeah. that helps the speaker because they're, you know, saving on travel costs. Right. It helps our cooperative that may not have the money to pay for the travel. I have it in my budget, so I'll cover it for them. Um, and then, you know, cover their extra mileage to go to that co-op, you know, that may be an hour or two hours away from us. So, um, and it kind of broadens their scope of being able to get to other people. Um, also, I've worked with a lot of different speakers and another, a lot of associations within 
uh, Iowa to say, um, for example, the Bankers Association or a hospital association to say, hey, what do you guys have going on? Um, I'm a part of the um, Society of Association Executives here in Iowa, which there's a national organization. And mm-hmm. we meet and discuss and talk and we're, you know, we all know each other. So we have probably similar, you know, people, you know, you know Midwest people, some similar likes, some similar needs. And so I'll just ask them, hey, who do you guys have coming? And maybe we can coordinate, you know, they have their event on Tuesday and we have ours on Wednesday or whatever thing, you know, something like that, which works out really well. Um, a lot of the speakers bureaus that I've worked with, I've mentioned that to them. Hey, if you know somebody, tell me, you know, or, you know, let me know and I can try to work out a deal. It, it works for both the event planner and the speaker because yeah. their travel is when they get, you know, get back to going to travel, it, it helps, you know, and they've got that, um, you know, two in one kind of thing for their travel costs. So when you're working with speakers and again, I'm I'm sure it ranges widely, but do you have any type of of ballpark uh, speaking fee that you're trying to stay within for a budget? Uh, And again, I know it depends on, you know, if they're doing a a couple of day event versus they're doing a one hour keynote, it might vary, but just kind of a rough ballpark of what you try to stay within. Sure. So for our conferences, I have a budget. Luckily, um, all of our cooperatives put in some money. So I know what that is up front. Yeah. Um, and I do a spring and a fall. So if my spring is a little bit, you know, I don't have as much, you know, budget there. I can use it in the fall kind of thing. And I, and I've worked that a lot. Um, typically those conference speakers are between three and $5,000. Okay. Um, and in, you know, either inclusive of travel or, you know, pay for, you know, flight and typically flight in a hotel room. And then for our annual meeting, we can be upwards of 15 to 20 yeah. um, for a speaker. Um, and like I said, we have four to five different speakers on those topics. Um, just kind of depends. Usually it's um, based on the number of people that I can get in to listen to them. That, that tells me how many I can, you know, how much I can charge. So, sure. um, and then some I've, I've implemented a lot of sponsors. So we have a lot of sponsors at some of our conferences, uh, specifically our operations and safety conference. Um, so with that, I have some extra money to work with, um, to, you know, provide some education. I, whatever sponsor money I get, I put that back in education and training for our members. Got it. Uh, so, so if you are, I think one of the things that that's important for speakers to realize is especially for newer speakers who are going, I just don't know who pays speakers or what are the opportunities. And so you represent, you know, one association within Iowa. One of the things that you touched on is you are well-connected with a bunch of other colleagues and other industries, a banking industry or a hospitality industry or whatever it may be, and who are also looking for good quality speakers. And you are also, uh, one of, uh, I assume 50, uh, uh, associations uh, by other states for your same association. So extrapolate it out, all that to say, like there's a lot of opportunity for speakers. Do you find that you are spending a decent amount of time like referring s- speakers to other colleagues and either in other states by the same association or within your own state to a different industry? Or is that like, a, is there a lot of like just behind the curtain conversations that are happening oh. about speakers? Oh, definitely. So um, I have several speakers that after the fact will say, hey, would you, you know, write a recommendation? I'm more than happy to do that. Um, Also, if I see a speaker that's really hit on the topics of that that I know is really important in our industry with the cooperatives, we do have um, a national organization, NRACA. And with that, we um, have several statewide coordinators just like me. And so I'll send out, um, we actually have a, a community portal that we can email out to everybody and and I do that quite often to say, hey, if you guys are looking for somebody, here's somebody that's good on this, or they spoke yeah. to, and then they know that 
since our industry is a little bit, I wouldn't say specific, the utility industry is, is specific, but there's lots of things that can, can overlap and hit everybody. But I think getting that, getting a good speaker can um, make it, you know, they get more work because of it. Um, and like I said, I recommend them to our cooperatives. Sometimes they have some of our larger cooperatives and um, there's their um, GNTs, it's our general transmission. They're larger cooperatives that also have a similar budget. They may need somebody for an annual meeting or a member meeting or, you know, um, things like that. So, yeah. um, and because I've been doing it for a while, I've, I've been doing this for, I don't know, about 16 years at different organizations. I have others that do my job that um, when I know, you know, they know me, they know that I know what I expect. And so if they're looking for somebody, they might call and say, Hey, do you know anybody that's good on communication or good on change or good on leadership? And then I'll say, yeah, I know this person, this person, and this person. And then I usually just shoot an email, copy the speaker in. So they know that, you know, Hey, I'm recommending you. Um, And and it works out for everyone. Um, Because that's the hard part with an event planner's job. There's a lot of different roles that we, we have to do. And the organization of it can can take over sometimes, and uh, especially this year with the pivoting, things have changed. Right. And so finding the right speaker is even more critical because a virtual conference versus an in-person, there's less um, room for error, for lack of mm-hmm. a better term, because usually those virtual conferences are shorter. So you have a shorter time to impact your audience. So getting the right speaker, you know, makes a difference. So yeah. And I've worked with, I mean, I've worked with several speakers who were never speakers before um, and just said, hey, would you be willing to share your story? I've heard them talk or saw them on a, you know, a podcast, like something like this. And then said, hey, would you be interested in doing this? And then they do it. And then they kind of, I don't know if they get the bug or what, but, um, you know, or I'll ask a speaker, hey, you did a really good job on this. Would you be willing to do this? They might be a topic they've never did done before, but yeah. they can kind of change up what they're doing just based on industry. Because I think it's hard. You're not in the workplace all the time for a speaker. I think it's hard to say, what do your people need? And I've had several speakers say, what do your people need? And once I tell them they can kind of adapt, maybe they have a topic that they do. um, But in in a, and if an event planner doesn't think proactively, um, they might not see what I can see that they could do beyond what's listed in their description or whatever. Um, So sometimes I'll push the envelope a little bit and a speaker will say, Oh yeah, I I guess I could do that. And I'm like, I think you can, you know, just take it this way, give them some things about our industry that helps tie it back to the um, attendee. And I think that even helps make it more personalized. I think every industry is so different, but so the same, but if you add some influences of that industry, so like for example, with the cooperatives, um, our our employees they call their customers members, not customers. Mm-hmm. So a customer service training. If I see, you know, a, a description that all talks about customer service, I'll reach out to them and say, "Hey, I really want to do this, but I need to focus on member service." And we don't, um, we're not selling energy. People that are in our territory just have to buy it. So it's not like a sales thing. You know, we need to like explain to the member or the customer why we're important. So, I mean, just tweaking a couple of those words and someone's um, speaker can help that audience relate to that speaker a little bit better. So 
Um, I have several calls with speakers ahead of time if they're not familiar with cooperatives, just to share some of the highlights. Um, I share some things on our website to give them some insights. Um, I've had speakers that um, some speakers would like to talk to some of our you know, members, some of the attendees. Mm-hmm. And since I work with a committee for each one of these groups, you know, this committee is happy to discuss, hey, what are your challenges or uh, what, what do you need from me if I'm talking about, you know, change or whatever. Um, so I think that helps to kind of, then they get to meet or, you know, not meet, but physically talk to somebody else that's in the audience. And when they present in person or virtually, they can say, so I talked to John and John said this, and I think it just personalizes it. And that's the best way to communicate with an audience is to personalize it somehow. Um, so I probably yeah. went, went a little bit over there, but I think- No, that's think, perfect. That's so good. I, I think that's what, I think the good speakers do that. The yeah. good speakers take that initial time of maybe having an initial call with an event planner, you know, whether it's, you know, a month ahead of time, you know, whatever they need, lead time, asking to survey. I've had presenters, you know, give me a list of five questions that they want me to ask the attendees. And I'm happy to do that too. Or they can personally one-on-one, you know, just, they basically ask me, can you give me a list of four or five people or two or three people that I can call and just ask them a few questions? Yeah. And I think that helps, um, helps both the presenter and the attendees. Hey friends, do you know the five steps to book more gigs and get paid as a speaker? Well, if not, listen up because these same five steps to help me to grow a seven-figure speaking career are all laid out in great detail in my latest book, The Successful Speaker. Five steps for booking gigs, getting paid, and building your platform. Whether you want to speak as a side hustle or your dream is to become a full-time professional speaker, I know what it takes. I share all of that with you in this definitive step-by-step roadmap. Let me be your guide. Learn from my mistakes. Get paid what you know you're worth to share your unique message on stage. If you want to read the first chapter for free or just check out the book, go to thespeakerlab.com slash book. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash book. Check out your copy of The Successful Speaker. Uh, one thing I'm curious about is when you're looking for, if, you, if you're planning a conference and you're looking at speakers and you're thinking, okay, I'm looking for a speaker who can speak on customer service or whatever the topic may be, or here's the challenge we're running into. One of the things that we, we talk with speakers all the time is, the, uh, is being more of a specialist than a generalist, meaning uh, not being a speaker who's like, uh, you know, you asking them, what do you speak on? And the speaker saying, well, what do you want me to speak on? I can speak on anything, which in reality is not the case versus saying like, no, no, I'm, I'm the best at this, you know? And yeah. to your point, maybe I can, I can go a little bit, you know, to the left or the right based on what it is that you need there. But it's, you know, if you're saying, uh, Hey, I'm looking for someone who can help with, with customer service, they're not coming in and saying, I can teach anything you want about, you know, energy and technology, you know, something completely unrelated. So how do you, like when you're talking with speakers, how important is it for, for you to find someone that is more of a, a specialist or ge- versus a, being a generalist, or does it, does it matter to you? Um, it depends. Um, it depends on the group. So, um, you know, there's sometimes where I have multiple different group, you know, groups together. For example, I might have CEOs are in, in the fall, our CEOs join the different employee groups. So I might have CEOs and HR. So trying to find something that hits both of those roles and responsibilities can be difficult. You know, we don't need to get too far in the weeds on, let's say, hiring techniques. For example, it was that group. 
but maybe more so on how to get the right person in the job. You know, that's going to be something that's more, I guess, not specialized, but generalized in that sense. So I think it depends on the group. Um, our annual meeting is another one of those. Um, although it's a, it's a big meeting, we have board of directors, which are, you know, average age of 70 to 80 years old farmers. And then we've got our CEOs, which are, you know, becoming quite much, you know, younger. So they're usually in their forties or fifties. So how do you, how do you find a leadership topic that hits both of them? You know? Um, So I think it's just trying to explain to them the dynamics of who's in the room. Um, But I do think there's benefits to both a specialized and a generalist. I think the best thing is if there's a specialized focus to really let them understand your industry so that they can maybe hit on some key points that might be challenges for that specialized industry, um, I think is the only thing that I would say. But, you know, most of the speakers that I've noticed will say, you know, the, you know, we'll work with you or we'll talk with you. And, and sometimes, and I haven't had any troubles getting a speaker to say, Hey, can we have a quick chat about this? Or I'll send them a little quick blurb. I actually have something that I just send to every speaker to say, this is what our industry is about. This is where we're located. Um, because we're in rural areas, it's really hard to sometimes find um, a speaker that's maybe on the East Coast or the West Coast if they don't understand what Midwest is, you know, how we talk and how mm-hmm. we approach things a little bit differently. So just trying to explain that. Um, not to say, I mean, I've had several West Coast and East Coast and they do great, but I mean, just explaining to them that maybe we don't use this word or we don't use that um, or, you know, we have to be pretty, um, you know, I guess we're more of a helpful area in the Midwest. So we're not going to be opposed to going the nth degree for a member versus, you know, there might be a session that's on, you know, sales or something like that wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't bode well for our group. Um, You know, but again, I know kind of what our group wants. And just by talking with a presenter or getting a vibe, a lot of times speakers that have videos posted are, are very helpful I know a lot of our event planners just kind of want to like, what's their, how do they, how do they present? How do they vibe with other, with the attendees when they're in person or virtually, you know, how, how do they come across? Do they, you know, do they look like they're engaging the, the audience? Because when you are spending that kind of money, you need to make sure that they are putting that effort. Cause if I do hire an outside speaker, that's where my budget goes to. The rest of it's filled with, you know, the legal and the regulatory stuff we have to do that's free. And I, it can make or break a conference if I yeah. have my closing keynote and they don't understand the audience. So right. um, it, it's part of, it's my job too. It's not just the speaker. I think the event planner holds a big play in that. And I think most event planners do take that time. But if a speaker doesn't think that an event planner is taking that time doing it, reach out and make sure to say, Hey, I'd like to know more about what this is about. Um, Take that 10 to 15 minute call. I think it would, you know, bode well for them to get future jobs too. Totally. When you are looking for new speakers, uh, it sounds like it's it's a mix of referrals from, you know, colleagues, uh, I would assume even from other speakers that you've worked with that you trust, uh, perhaps some repeat speakers that you've had in the past, uh, or even, you know, like you mentioned bureaus, but for one of the challenges for a lot of speakers, especially early on, is it sounds like once you get your foot in the door, it's easier to keep your foot in the door, assuming provided that you do a good job, but getting your foot in the door in the first place can be difficult or challenging. So is there, 
is what can a speaker do to get on your radar? Because it is kind of this delicate balance of you're busy, you have a lot going on, you don't need speakers bugging you or harassing you all day. But there are plenty of great speakers out there that neither of us have heard of, and you're looking for some of those diamonds in the rough. So how can a speaker get on your radar without being annoying or out being, without being a pain? I would say, you know, sending an email is always good. Um, you know, phone, I'm not always available via the phone, but if you leave a voicemail, I'm always willing to call back. Um, I would say when you do email um, uh, the event planner, having like a one page or one sheeter about what you do, because sometimes they have to pass that on to someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I have committees that I work with with some. Um, my CEO sometimes needs to vet what I'm going to do. Uh, having some sort of one pager that I can give them to say, this is what this person's all about, even if it is general, um, you know, even if it doesn't have everything that I want, you know, that helps. Um, Videos, like I said, having a link to a video, even if it's a, you know, I had a speaker that just, he personalized a video. It wasn't a video of him presenting. It was just a, a video he did, you know, know, on his phone and just said, Hey, Katrina, this is, you know, so-and-so, um, these are the things I can talk about, like to have a time to talk with you. And it kind of gave me the, how is he going to be in person yeah. vibe, I guess. Um, and he just, you know, had that video and and he might do it for every person. I don't know. Um, but you wouldn't have to even personalize it. You could just say, Hey, you know, I'm looking to be a speaker for your next event. And here's, you know, what I need, you know, what I do. Right. Um, but it I also like it, it speaks it a lot that it. yeah, but it speaks a lot that um, like the speaker that did personalize it that takes an extra second to do that because I think that's the danger for so many speakers is it's just easy to create some type of template email, copy and paste, send it to hundreds or thousands of event planners and just kind of spray and pray. But like the ones that really take the time to okay, who is Katrina? What is her role? Who are her members? What are her needs? And creating something specific to you, like that's going to get your attention and it's going to yep. take more time and effort. But it also for speakers, it's going to separate themselves from the you know dozens or hundreds of other speakers that may be reaching out to you with the same template generic approach. Well, and I think, and I, you know, I'm bad at this sometimes. I get in my mode and I'm doing the next the next conference and the next conference, I, I'm, I'm a department of one. And so doing 50 events, as you can imagine, I'm, I'm, I'm constantly three months out looking at the next one. And what yeah. do I need to do for six months out? And so I'm constantly doing that. So I think even following up with a, you know, after an event to say, Hey, you know, what could I do? What could I do better? Um, either can we have a quick call or if I did a good job, can you give me a, a couple of sentences or could you recommend me to somebody else? it just kind of reminds them like, oh yeah, yeah, I should remind them to so-and-so or whatever, because we do get in our mode of the next thing that we have to do. Um, And I know other event planners do the same thing. And um, I've done, because I haven't been in person with a lot of my cohorts, I I think sometimes we get lax in that, you know, in telling them, Hey, Oh, I have something else. You know, I should tell somebody about this Mm -hmm. um, because we're not in person. So um you know, just doing that quick little email reminder, how did I do? Is there anything I could do better? You know, and you may not get true response, you may not get anything, but you might, you might get somebody go, yeah, you know, you really did a good job on this. And here's a letter of recommendation, or here's a couple sentences um, that you can use for future reference. And um, I think that that helps vet that person. Um, You know, I've worked with some speaker bureaus, um, 
and we have a Midwest Speakers Bureau that I work with, you know, just because I know the lady that runs it and we're friends. And so I will reach out to her every once in a while, but I don't use her all the time. Yeah. Um, but she also has like a showcase that she does where people, they, they speakers come and, um, and I'm not sure if that's other speakers bureaus that do that, but, um, she does a really good job where once a year she brings in 15 speakers and they speak to other all event planners and they talk for 10 to 15 minutes Mm -hmm. on stage um, just to all event planners and just kind of say what they're going to, a mini speech for lack of a better term. And that's a good way for me to kind of gauge their, you know, who they are. Um, I know that's through a speakers bureau, but I mean, if there's a speakers bureau that offers some sort of virtual showcase or um, thing like that, I think that would be important. Um, I don't see, I mean, some of the other speakers bureaus on the West coast, East coast, I don't feel like they really personalize or or contact me. So I kind of go to the ones that, that contact me. I kind of, you know, once you develop a relationship and it's probably with any event planner, once you feel comfortable with a certain way of doing things, you kind of do the same thing. Right. But if I got an email from a speaker and they sent me, you know, a video and they sent me, you know, some information of what they've done and maybe even, you know, a quick list of a couple people they've, you know, presented to in the past year that I could reach out to, um, that might push them ahead of the game versus I get a lot of mailings. And I, I don't read mailing. Yeah. I mean, you know, letters. I mean, I know, you know people say, well, mail is dead. Well, it, it kind of is. I don't have it, it doesn't come across. You know, a speaker is a speaker is this, you know, right, us right. talking today. And if you can't, you know, call me up or send me an email with some video, I, I don't know how I can assess you from a piece of paper. But that's yeah. just me. Um, there might be others that, that like that. You, you touched on uh, videos. How important is it for you to see them actually speaking? Cause it's one thing for, you know, you and I to be chatting right now, or for you to be talking to someone on the phone, like they seem nice or they seem like a good person, but how that translates to them being on stage in front of, you know, a hundred or a couple hundred people may be different. So how important is it for you to be able to see footage of them actually speaking? I like it. Um, I know not everybody does it, but if you can get something like that, I think it does set you a little bit apart for me, especially like my CEOs, like, well, have you heard them? Well, I haven't, I don't get to go. I mean, I'm an event planner, so I'm planning the stuff I got here. Um, so if I can show him a video, that's going to help. Or if I can show the committee a video, um, I think, and I, I don't think I'm, I'm unique in that sense. Usually these event planners, they may be the final decision maker, but they might need other, you know, deciding mm-hmm. factors or other input from, from a group. And so sharing a video is much easier than saying, than showing them a two sentence description or one page or description. Now that's important, but if you have a video, that's even more, you know, critical. Um, I know not a lot of speakers get the chance to do that, but with us, you know, with the virtual world right now, um, a lot of them do have that ability. If you're speaking with an event planner, say, hey, are, are you recording this? Can you share this recording with me? Um, things like that. I, I've had people ask me that and I always do. I'll share anything they want, you know, if they let me record it, of course. Yeah. Um, or, you know, I've had people bring in a camera person, you know, hey, I'm going to, re- if I do this session for you, um, I'll waive travel costs if I can bring my videographer in to, to videotape that. Is that okay? And I'm like, sure. You know, yeah. you know, I mean, I don't care. You know, I think working with the event planner to get some of that footage is important. And I've seen a lot of dated stuff 
<laughs> I know if you're talking to new speakers, it's probably different, but I've seen a lot of dated videos that are from the 1990s or 2000s. Right. And I'm like, how old is he now? Or is he right. able to relate? You know, I mean, that's, that's what I, you know, you can tell, you know, so, and it, it can be a, it could be a video with a group of, you know, 20 liters or 200 liters. I, I don't think it matters. It doesn't have to be fancy. It's just more of the, what can you do and how can, how can it, it, it helps paint a picture. Just like, you know, you go into a house before you buy a house and, you know, it's totally empty and no furniture is in it. It looks a lot different than furniture being in it. You can kind of picture yourself there. Right. That's kind of what an event planner needs to picture that speaker with their audience. And, and how would that come across? How, uh, so you mentioned the video is important. How important is it for a speaker to have a good quality website? Um, I think it's good. I, I think the best part, if you can, um, and I don't, I'm not opposed to a form, filling out a form or a contact us form. I do that most of the time. Um, I think having a contact us form, um, most presenters don't have their price ranges out there, which I don't expect them to, um, you know, versus like a speakers bureau. Um, and I don't know that that's necessary because it might turn off somebody, you know, if they see, let's say they see that you put out there, it's $10,000. Oh, that's out of my price range. But maybe I could come up to you and say, Hey, what if I did 5,000, but I bought your books yeah. and I, and I, you know, paid for your trip. I mean, there's always room for negotiation. And if there's something that works or maybe you're in the area, you know, I've had a speaker that had a family member in, here in Iowa and he said, you know, and, and he was actually a pilot. So he flies and he says, I'm not going to charge you any travel. I'm not going to, I'm coming to see my mom anyway. I don't, you know, and it worked out nice. It saved me about $2,000. So, you know, but if I would have just looked at, Hey, he's so-and-so plus travel, I would have just probably, you know, yeah. not even thought about it. Um, flat fees are always nice because travel's harder to get into a budget sometimes. Um, but I understand travel's hard to figure out and who knows how travel costs are going to increase. So I get that too. Um, but every, I think every event planner needs to be open to asking the question and, I don't feel uncomfortable asking like, Hey, you know, my budget is this. And I've had presenters um, where maybe they're in the 10 to $15,000 range and I can't afford them for a conference, but I can afford them for our annual meeting. And so since we have a couple different groups, I'll ask them, Hey, would you be willing to present at this meeting for $7,000? And then $15,000 for an annual meeting in the fall. Yeah. And, it, and it works out. I mean, yeah, they've got to come back twice, but now they've got two gigs and maybe their flat, their fee is usually $10,000. Now they're getting, you know, they're actually right. getting more. So, or I might say, Hey, if I can find somebody else in our area, um, would you be willing? Um, and I've done that before too. And my speaker bureau um, contact has been really good about that too. She'll tell me, Hey, I've got so-and-so coming and, you know, and it's usually those core months, unfortunately, um, our, most of our conferences are in the spring and the fall in that March to April, May and the October, you know, yep. busy months, which that's the hard part. Um, this whole virtual thing has kind of put us on, you know, we're, we've been allowed to get presenters that we never could have because yeah. it's a little bit more cost effective um, for both the speaker and the um, association, but it's opened me up some to some different speakers that even though I didn't pay them maybe their full price now, 
I will pay them once I can bring them back in person, you know, because I I didn't have my budget spent this year. Um, So I don't know. It's, it's always good to kind of keep that. I like the websites that have, like you, like I said, videos on it, a contact us form is always good. Um, that a fir- first initial, when you open up the, the page, that first splash page, if you have a, a video that I don't have to search for, I think that's helpful. Um, and then any sort of like about that speaker, you know, what, what drives them to be a speaker? Was it, you know, a tragedy? Was it, you know, learning something, you know, whatever that is, there's like a personal story that I can share with the audience, you know, that might help. Um, and then, you know, a whole page of this is who references, you know, those are the main things I look for on a website, web page, you know, you know, videos and then where are they located? Sometimes you can't find that on a speaker, you know, so I don't have no idea is that speaker located in California and it's going to cost me, I know it's going to cost me a thousand dollars to get them here, you know, just, just kind of, just so I have no, I know what I'm getting into, I guess, more than anything. You, so it sounds like over the course of your career, you've been in your current role for 16 years. You've planned at this point, hundreds and hundreds of events. I've assumed you've worked with hundreds of speakers. There are plenty of speakers that you're like, I'm going to work with that speaker over and over and over and over again. Some that you're like one and done would never work with that speaker again. Um, what's the difference between speakers that, yes, I want to, I want to work with, I want to refer, I want to bring back, I want to tell others about, and the speakers are like, okay speaker, but not going to work with them again. What's the difference? I think connection. I mean, connection is the best thing. You know, they connect to the audience, the audi- to you, to, the, to both, to the, audi- to the audience, to the audience. I mean, um, I've had speakers that are much different in with me and then on stage they're, you know, different and they connect with them just great. Yeah. Um, so I don't, I don't, you know, I don't take it. I, I pretty much get along with any speaker. I don't think I've ever had any problems <laughs> with that. Um, and I'm a very organized person. So I'm probably, if that speaker isn't organized, I'm making them organized by following up with them and things like that. So um, I don't have that issue, but I would say just connecting with the audience because our group is so diverse and they are rural area, you know, people there, I can tell right off the bat if it's just not going to work. And it probably has nothing to do with the speaker. It's just, they're not going to connect to my audience. Um, before I was at the co-ops, I worked more in the mental health and substance abuse. So it was a little bit different arena. And I've had the same speakers in both groups. So that's why I'm saying, I don't think, I don't think that one speaker fits for one type of industry. I think it's just whether they take the time to connect with that audience and good speakers do. So connection. Good. Very good. Katrina, this has been uh, really, really fun. I've really enjoyed getting to talk to you. There's so much more we, we, we could talk about we haven't even touched on. Uh, so we may have to have you back for a, a part two at some point. But if people want to find out uh, more about the association that you're a part of and maybe some of the events that you do, where, where can we go online to find you? Um, yes. Yeah, so the Iowa Association of Rural Electric Cooperatives is um, www.iowarec.org. That's our website. And then our national organization, which books several speakers, um, is NRECA and they're out of um, Arlington, um, Washington, um, was, uh, Virginia. Arlington, <laughs> Virginia. I wanted to say Washington DC and I screwed up. So um, NRECA is our, um, is our main national organization. So they do a lot of speakers as well. So um, feel free to reach out to me anytime and always looking for new and exciting ideas for speakers. Awesome. Katrina, thanks for the time. We appreciate it. Yep. Thank you. Take care. 
All right, there you go. Hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Speaker Lab Podcast. And before you take off, don't forget if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a rating and review within iTunes. We read every single one of those. It helps, it helps other people to find the show. Listen, we, we don't charge anything for you to listen to these. We don't have any ads or anything. We do this because we want to serve and support speakers like you. So one small favor we ask of you is that you would leave us some type of a rating and review. And again, we really, really do appreciate that. If you're looking for more help, support as a speaker as you build and grow your business at whatever stage you're at, don't forget to check out thespeakerlab.com, thespeakerlab.com. We got a ton of free resources and tools over there. So again, check it out over at thespeakerlab.com. All right, my friends, that wraps up today's episode. We appreciate you hanging out with us. We'll catch you next time. You're awesome.